Thank you for listening to The Wonder Podcast. I'm Joe Vacanti. It's our desire that you would take this message and that you would choose to live the life God always imagined for you. Why have you forsaken me? The season we've been talking about the characteristics of God and the traits of God that are available to his people through the power of his spirit within us. Things like the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all of them. And we know very well that the world needs heroic followers of Jesus. The world needs love. The world needs joy. And of course, we could stop at peace and talk about that all week. The world desperately needs heroic followers of Jesus. And what do they look like? We know in Hebrews 11, we have the hall of faith where it talks about all of the people that did great things in the Old Testament. People like Noah, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Moses, Gideon, and David, who wrote this psalm that we just read. But they were humans. If you think about it, you remember their stories, the stories of Noah, who was mocked and laughed at as he was building an ark in a place that didn't even understand what rain was. Or people like Abraham, who was given this promise from God that he would become a great nation, and yet he and his wife grow past the years of being able to have children. Or somebody like Moses, who constantly struggled with God did something and delivered them, and then the people five minutes later were turning on God and this whole back and forth. And then, of course, David as well. I want to encourage us this morning that it's okay to ask questions. All of those people that I just said ask questions. David, a lot of times when you read the Psalms, you're waiting for like the lightning bolt to come down, right? Like, and for him to get taken out. Because you read some of these things and it's like, it sounds like he's flat out disrespectful to God, but yet he's a man after God's own heart. What is that? The life following Jesus, as you know, is not without, stru- not without struggle or suffering. But I want to encourage us that we are not disqualified based on the questions that we ask. But we can be defined by our response to those situations. I want to start by looking at this wrestling, this psalm that we just read. David has this back and forth throughout the entire thing. And a few weeks ago, I decided for 10 days straight to read Psalm 22, 23, and 24. They were all written around the same time, they believe around the year 1000, while David was king. So David at this point has already faced being a shepherd in the wilderness, bears and lions. He's already gone through being um, seen as unqualified by his father when the prophet comes to town to anoint one of his father's sons. And David isn't even looked at as somebody that even could possibly be anointed king. And then he is anointed and then he's chased down and hunted by Saul and he goes through everything that he goes through and now he's king and he's still facing struggles And he starts out the psalm with this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the giant slayer. This is the lion killer. This is the man that was hunted down by the most powerful person in the kingdom, the king that was the king before him. And he's asking God after all of that, while he's sitting in his position that he's been waiting for, God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away? But even in the question, David is showing great faith. 
because he is saying God and he's saying my God. And I want to encourage us this morning that whatever question that we have, as long as we direct it to him and we realize that he is ours, that we are not disqualified. And then he goes on, he says, yet you are holy, enthroned in the praise of Israel. So he starts out with, God, you've forsaken me. I can't sleep at night. I'm exhausted. Has anybody ever been there where you're going through stuff and you just like, you're tortured by day and you're restless by night and you're just like, God, do you even hear me? Do you even see what is going on with me? So David's there. Then one second later, he's back. (laughs) He says, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. I want to encourage us that in suffering, in uncertainty, our power is in our worship and our power is in testimony. He says, yet you are holy. See, we can ask a question of God, but we have to remember who God is, that he is holy and he is perfect and he is set far above all of our circumstances. I was just out of town for a couple of days um, away with our family, and then I was with my um, parents, my dad is having some medical challenges and had to have a, a operation to try to help resolve some of those. And I was flying back in and the way we took coming in was different. I realized we were going to fly over the silo and I saw it <laughs> from way up above and I just laughed because we're still paying off bills and we're still getting reports of financial struggles and we've got a lot of Um, requests coming from Sierra Leone, a lot of things going on over there. And it can be very overwhelming. And I just looked down at this little building looking like a little piece of a Lego. And I just laughed. And I thought, we are like a little miniature thing within this thing (laughs) from above. And God is way far higher than a plane. And so in our struggling, in our wrestling, in our uncertainty, in all of our questions, we say, yet, You are holy. You are perfect. You are set above. And then he goes on to say that he is enthroned, which means God is on the throne. We like to put ourselves there. Like I said earlier, we think we know best. But when we realize he's on the throne, he's okay with our questions. He understands our limitations. He knows that we're just looking at the circumstances in our own context and our limited understanding and the pain of our past and all the things that we bring into it. But when we remember that he is on the throne, we keep the right perspective. That word enthroned also means that he inhabits. And David goes on to say the praise of his people. When you are suffering, when you are asking questions, when you feel like he is so far away that you can't find him. There is a place and a way to find him, and it's through praise. It's through worship. And most times, the most beautiful worship is the one where we don't feel it, where we're not excited, but we are taking our heart through our voice and our mind to where it needs to go. We are turning our attention away from the news cycles, which is important to see what's going on, but we take ourselves out of that cycle and that 
uh, swirl that we get caught up in or the swirl of our circumstances. And we put our focus on the one who's on the throne. And we say, come what may, whatever today holds, whatever tomorrow holds, I know the one that is on the throne. He is holy. He can be trusted. I give my life to him and I trust in him. And then David talks about that it's testimony that helps us through our suffering. He says, and you, our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. When we're wrestling, when we're struggling, it's really important to go back and look at the things that God has already done. All of us at minimum know that he has saved us. And that could, he could, it could just stop right there and he could never talk to us again until heaven. And that is enough that he sent his son, his holy, perfect son down to atone, to make right and to make a way for us to have eternal life. But beyond what he has done on the cross, he has been there for us time and time and time again. He's forgiven us over and over again. Some of us have the same silly things that we do one minute, we're sorry, Lord, and five minutes later, we're off doing it again. And yet his forgiveness is already there before we even asked for it. So when we're struggling, when we're confused at what we're looking at the world, in the world, go back and remember what he has done. Older people, Dennis, thank you for calling out your age. <laughs> right? Older people, seasoned followers of Jesus, maybe you're not old chronologically in the human sense, but you've been on this faith journey for a really long time. This is why the art of storytelling is so important. This is why in Revelation, when the world is going crazy, the Bible says that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the power of their testimony. Because people can argue about faith with you left and right, and they can give you all the logical reasons why the Bible is not to be trusted or this or that, but they cannot deny the power of a testimony of a life that was heading one way, Jesus steps in and you had a completely different direction. They can't deny the power of your testimony. And so older people, anybody, be storytellers of what God has done in your life so that those who are suffering can look and say, well, maybe, just maybe, if he did it for them, he can do it for me too. I love this idea that as the Israelites were passing from Egypt through their wandering and their wilderness on their way to the promised land. Along the way, they would dig wells for them to drink. And, you know, we know the process of hand-dug wells. It takes a long time. And it would seem kind of silly to dig a well that for a place that you're never going to pass by again. But the wells that we dig in our struggle, in our wilderness seasons, when we dig down deep and we lean into who we know God is and we worship him anyways and we remember what he has already done for us, those wells that we dig are creating fountains in the wilderness for those who are to come behind us. For those that are, are still new to their faith journey, that maybe they could see what you went through and how you handled it and how you praise God despite your struggles. And yes, maybe you asked the questions and you said, God, you're far away, but you never left him. You wrestled it out. Those wells that you did can refresh others. What are we, Wonder Church, in the city of Buffalo, in the year 2023, what are we willing to endure 
What are we willing to dig deep into to create a wellspring for those who are to come? So David's back. He's on, he's on focus. He's on point again. God, you're holy. I'll praise you. And I remember all the great things that you've done. And then he says, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. How does he get here? How does he go from my God and I'm suffering and you're not listening to me too, but I'm going to praise you anyways. And I remember all the things that you've done, but now I'm a worm. I mean, he's telling God that he's a worm. I'm not even a man anymore. You know, I would think that if you wanted to pick an insult to God, that could be one of the top ones because we were made in his image. So now David's saying, I don't even see your image on me, God. That's how far away I feel that you are. And then people are laughing at him about it, just like Noah was laughed at as he went year after year after year building that ark without rain. See, this back and forth is part of the wrestle. You remember Jacob? One night he wrestled with a man who turned out to be the Lord, and then he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. But Jacob wrestled in the night, and he was given a new name. See, God allows our wrestling. As long as we're wrestling with him, he will call us something different. And Jacob became Israel. And then David goes back to remembering what God has done. He says, yet you are he who took me from my womb. Even when he was a helpless baby, all the way back, he recognizes that God was the one who sustains him. You know, the truth is we are like helpless babies in this world without God there to care for us. And then he goes from that to, we're back again. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. There's none to help. Many bulls encompass me. The strong bulls of Bashan surround me. I couldn't believe it, but as everything was unfolding in Israel, I saw that they were talking about this place that got attacked. And when I looked it up, it was actually the place that is Bashan that that these scriptures are talking about. And the idea, the Golan Heights is what they're called. And um, Hamas just attacked Israel at it a couple of days ago. The reason that they did is because that historically is a place that is considered the high ground. And of course, in a war, you want the high ground. See, when we look at our lives and we feel like the enemy has the high ground in my life right now, or we might think in the world, the enemy has the high ground. They're talking about when they go in and have to um, do the foot battle in Israel, that it's always the person that is there on the defense that has the advantage because they can hide in the corners and hide in the high places and snipe and cause a lot of damage. So David's recognizing this and he's saying, I feel like the enemy has the high ground in my life and that these bulls are going to come and gore me to death. We literally can have times in our lives where it feels like these giants are just waiting and salivating and waiting for our weak moment to just take us out. A lot of times that looks like fear, that all of a sudden you give in to a little bit of fear and you feel surrounded. And, And maybe by watching what's been happening, maybe the dreams that you've had or the things you've been wanting to do in your business or the steps of faith in your family. Maybe you find yourself because of the fear of man or the fear of this evil shrinking back and saying, well, the enemy has the high ground and you feel like the enemy is just waiting, just sitting and wait. I want to encourage us to not cower in fear. 
but to advance. And then we see that David realizes that testimony switches his perspective. Because he says, but you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. And it's at this point that David, this hero, gets his focus now through the end. I love the word quickly. Anybody else impatient? We were just out of town for a couple of days in a place with a lot of people, and they did not understand the word quickly. And when you've got like something set that you want to do and they're all in your way, it's like these people are doing the opposite of quickly. And I think that they're doing it on purpose to test my patience. But I love how David says, oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. (laughs) I love that our God is a God that in one moment, in one word, everything can change. Let, let there be light. Get, get up and walk. The man that had been sitting by that pool for years, waiting for his moment to get in the water to be healed. And it didn't happen for him. And maybe he laid there that day that Jesus walked into that place. And maybe he said, "Eh, who's this guy? It doesn't matter. God's done with me. But the son of God in flesh came to him. Would you rather wait in the physical and have God himself come to you? Would you be willing to wait and to endure for that moment where Jesus himself visits you? What testimony did that guy have that he waited that long and he was still waiting? And Jesus comes and he says, get up and walk. He can do that for you too. Or he calls your name. He says, Lazarus, come forth. In one word, in one moment, Whatever is in you that is dead, whatever dream that you have let go of, whatever plans, whatever thing, in one word, God can call your name. And there's nothing sweeter that when God calls your name, he sees you. Just like we sang about, there's no place that we can go that the presence of God cannot find us. There's no corner in the world today where people are hiding huddled that love God, that he doesn't see and know and care for each and every one. Or on the cross, he says, finished. And thousands of years of human history of waiting for the Messiah and for redemption and a word, it's done. Or when he says to his son, arise that morning and the son of God gets up or just simply in the Old Testament, the name for God that they wouldn't dare say, but one time per year, Yahweh, which means I am. We can look at whatever we have going on. We can look at whatever we see in the world and we can say Yahweh to that. We can say God is, he is, regardless of what I see. And then David continues to pick up steam. He says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. He's already writing the testimony before it's even done. He says, all of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All of the families of the nation shall worship before you. All of a sudden now he's getting a global perspective. When you're down, Take a look at the stories of what God is doing around the world. He is moving. 
Then he says, posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. Now he's looking to the future and he's saying, God, I I don't only recognize what you did for them before for my fathers and the stories that they told me. I believe you're going to do it for me. And God, even past me, you will be the same God to the generations who are to come. And then he crescendos to this most exciting moment where he says, they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. It is done. But it wasn't actually done for him. But he's getting himself to the point where he's saying, Whatever, God, I know that it's done, that you will do it. See, this is a big defining moment for those who would be heroes of faith. After a back and forth wrestling, we get to a point where we are confident, God, it's done. Who here needs to start acting like you believe God is actually who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he's going to do? But then I love this thing that I learned. You know, our suffering and wrestling becomes a song for others to sing. See, at the top of Psalm 22, it says, to the tune, the doe of the dawn. And I was like, what is that? So I looked it up. So that was the music that the psalm was set to. The doe of the dawn is a young female deer who is relentlessly hunted. I want to encourage you with something. The church, the true followers of Jesus will be relentlessly hunted by the enemy. You see, the doe is hunted when she goes to the stream in the morning for a drink. When the church, when God's people go to the stream and go to the source, the enemy knows to find the deer there. The predator knows that the deer will be looking for a drink of water after a long night. And so when we as God's people are looking for his presence, he's going to try to stop us before we get there because he understands that there is power in the presence of God. He understands that there is power when people of God live in such a way that they say it's done. What God has promised me, what he said and who he is, it is done. Come hell or high water, come whatever may, it is done in Jesus' name. He knows that that is an unstoppable force. He knows that there's a deluge coming when God's people walk in his presence and he's done. This violence that he's trying to enact on the earth, this evil, this distortion and destruction, the enemy knows that if God's people get into his presence, it is over for him in a suddenly and a quickly moment. It'll be finished for him. I want to encourage you. So many people take increased opposition and oppression and hard things. They take it as a sign that they're doing the wrong thing. No, if the enemy's after you, that means that you're a threat. So press into it more, run more into his presence. Fear not the one that can kill the body. Fear the one that has control over the soul. We are not afraid. So the song of David was passed down, the verses that we read, this entire psalm, to the tune, the doe of the dawn, 
was sung and passed down generation after generation after generation as an encouragement to God's people that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to wrestle. Just stay close to him. Praise him. Remember what he has already done. Proclaim that it's already done. Tell of his wonders to the next generation till finally it was sung one Friday on a hill outside the city where an innocent man hung on a cross. Matthew 27, Jesus sings the beginning of Psalm 22. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathi, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then John 19, he says this, says this. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus starts out with the beginning of the psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He endures the cross. We don't know. It's not written down, but I have to imagine that there's a strong possibility that during that time, he was singing the song to the tune of the doe of the dawn. And he was singing it as the one who was suffering. The whole psalm is a messianic psalm about the suffering savior, about how he could count all of his bones, about how they pierced his hands and feet. He's singing the song passed down generations to generation. It's about him as he's hanging on the cross. And then he wrestles through to that moment, just like David did a generations between David and Jesus. And then Jesus, the ultimate hero on the cross, says David's words, it is done. It is finished. And he bows his head. See, when we look as followers of Jesus as what's happening in the world, we don't panic. It's time for us to access our power. And our power is in the presence of God. Hebrews 12, it won't be on the screen, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And then at the end of Hebrews, it says this, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Man, I just love that. When bombs are going off in cities and uncertainty is surrounding us, we have a kingdom, not just that we're a part of and that we go to, but we have a kingdom and a power living inside of us that everything around us can shake and fall to pieces, but we have something unshaken. So since we have this kingdom, let's offer to God worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Thanks to all who give to Wonder Church. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible. Thanks for listening. And live your life in such a way that will make the world wonder. There must be more.